Today marks the beginning of a new era. You see, in this industry, just like in life, everything evolves. And what you see in this ring before you is the greatest example of evolution you will ever see. Ric Flair. 16 times heavyweight champion of the world. The nature boy, the greatest professional wrestler of all time. A living legend. Woo! Ric Flair has done it all and has beaten them all and done it with a class and a style like no one else. Take it from me. There is no one better than Ric Flair. I agree with that, King. Like it or not. And all of the things that Ric Flair represents, I am today. That's debatable. I have taken all of those attributes and I have put them into the ultimate package. I have put them into a body that every man out there wishes he had. And every single one of you women out there wants to be with. Yeah, you can argue with that there. You top that off with a mind made for this business, and you get the greatest ring general of all time. You get the best that there is. You get the game. You get the world's heavyweight champion. He's a certain assassin, all right, folks. Trust me, trust me when I tell you that there is only one diamond in this business. <laughs> and baby, you're looking at him. Wow. Gemstone. But evolution always continues, and you have to look to the future. And I look to you. Dave Batista, six foot five, three hundred and twenty-five pounds of genetic stopping power, unbridled destruction. In a war, when all seems lost, you take out your biggest gun and you blow them all away. Tisa can do that. I can tell you that. He's a monster. And Randy Orton. The business is in his blood. Third generation superstar. The man has every gift that a man can be given. He's right. Raw, raw genetic talent.
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Ruthless Aggression Era podcast, the only place where we decipher and dictate an era that rose out of the ashes of attitude and went on to be known as Ruthless Aggression. And today, it's time to take a look at the returns of Hulk Hogan, The Rock, and possibly Stone Cold, and also the formation of one of the best stables ever produced by the WWE, as once again it's time to take a look at the weekly TV tapings, this time on the back of the Raw Rumble 2003, and leading up to No Way Out. As always, I'm Dave, and for this episode, I'm not quite on my own. CJ is here, and he'll be joining us via satellite to run down all the goings-on on Monday Night Raw, and I'll be picking up the slack for SmackDown. So without further ado, let's get to it. We're on to the first Raw after the Royal Rumble. The date is the 20th of January 2003 and it's from the Dunkin' Donuts Centre in the Providence, Rhode Island. Dunkin' Donuts Centre. Now that's a pretty crazy name for a arena in my opinion. But anyway, on to the actual event at Raw. So the first match we have on Raw is Rod Van Dam versus Jeff Hardy. Now, Jeff Hardy, as we all know, has been, he's just been getting mixed around multiple different types of tag team matches with multiple different types of people, and he really hasn't been doing much. Now, at the moment, he's had a match with Rob Van Dam. Great match they had together. Uh, unfortunately, Jeff Hardy lost it in 3 minute 58, and Jeff Hardy is starting to show frustration against Rob Van Dam, and I think in a whole, on a whole, he's just frustrated with losing all the time and just creatively not going anywhere i don't know if it's a storyline or whether it's a work i'm hoping it's a storyline but who knows what's gonna happen with jeff hardy so next match we have is lance storm and william regal with chief morley against the dudley boys bubba ray and devon dudley who are the current wwe world tag team champions lance storm and william regal defeated the dudley boys for the WWE World Tag Team Championships. Now, I don't know how I feel about this. As we've discussed before in previous previous podcasts, um, it's always been the Dudley Boys are all about tables and that's really it. They're not really championship-worthy material, in my opinion. Well, uh, hey-ho. Next match is the Hurricane and Trish Stratus against Stephen Richards and Victoria. And... It, Obviously, you'd expect the Hurricane and Trish Stratus to beat Stephen Richards and Victoria because Stephen Richards in the match. He's my new target. He's the guy I really can't stand, Stephen Richards. He's just meh. Since right to center and before that in the Blue World Order, he's always been crap. And there's nothing special about the guy. Hurricane Trish Stratus getting the win over Stephen Richards and Victoria in 2 minutes and 59 seconds. The next one is Booker T and Goldust against 3 Minute Warning. Uh, and Booker T and Goldust get the win against 3 Minute Warning, which is a shock there, really. Now, this is my, in my, my two cents here. I would say that this is 3 Minute Warning now slowly starting to lose their monster heel tag team push. And I don't really know why uh, they're really good as a monster heel tag team. Um, but yeah, they slowly start to lose everything. And that was in 9 minutes and 19 seconds. Next match is Chris Jericho against Test. Test is with Stacey Keebler. And this ended in a no contest thanks to Chris Jericho pushing Test. 
who fell into Stacy Keebler, um, who, you know, at the moment she, she's hurt herself, um, and this is leading to a storyline where Chris Jericho is now saying, look, I'm sorry, it's not my fault, blah, 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 but he's been a very heelish about the whole situation. Next match is D'Lo Brown with Teddy Long against Tommy Dreamer in a Singapore cane match. And we're all about the Brown. We're down with the Brown, according to Teddy Long. And yes, D'Lo Brown does defeat Tommy Dreamer in a Singapore cane match. I mean, again, Tommy Dreamer is one of those sort of people that can only really fight in a Singapore cane match. There's nothing else special about the guy. He's a spot-fest guy, and he was only really good in ECW. And after that, and since then, he's not really done anything special, in my opinion. And that was in 3 minutes and 26 seconds. The next match is our main event, and it's Scott Steiner against Batista with Ric Flair. And Scott Steiner defeats Batista with Ric Flair via a DQ because this is now, ladies and gentlemen, the start of the Ground Force team assembling. The team of Triple H, Ric Flair, Randy Orton, and Batista, also known as Evolution. Triple H manhandled a referee to get himself disqualified to no avail. He tried to get counted out and leave the arena to no avail. And oh, look at this! That's a lot of power. And what the hell? Randy Orton? What is Randy Orton doing here? What is Randy Orton doing in this ring? Randy Orton, he was a timid runner tonight by Scott Steiner. Well, yep, that was the first episode of Raw after the Royal Rumble. My opinion, I'd probably give it about two, three stars at best. Um, best bit about it was Evolution forming. episode of Smackdown since the Rumble is January the 23rd 2003 we're at the Pepsi Arena in Albany New York uh, Stephanie and them are magnificent boobs of hers she announces that The Undertaker is going to make his Smackdown return tonight and informs us to stay tuned for a big surprise then leans over the desk just to give us a shot down the shirt there was literally no logical reason for her to do that apart from to, for us to have a look at her boobs our first match tonight is Chris Benoit he defeats Charlie Haas in 8 minutes and 54 Towards the end of the match, uh, Chris Benoit, he was going for the swan dive headbutt, but Benjamin, he distracts the referee. Uh, Benoit goes to take care of him, but Haas charges and gets put in a, in a brief cross face before the arm gives out. And Haas then hits a belly-to-belly, -belly, then goes for a German, but Benoit reverses it to a roll-up for the victory. We cut backstage and we see The Undertaker, he's riding his motorcycle into the arena. And up next is another singles affair. Uh, it's the return match that nobody wanted. Rikishi defeats Bill DeMott in 4 minutes and 11. We then get a promo for Nathan Jones. Now, for the, the probably the most craziest news article that I could possibly find for January uh, slash February of 2003. Basically, Nathan Jones, who is going to be making his debut very, very soon, soon on SmackDown, 
Um, he was well-publicised abuser of steroids in the late 80s, uh, and thus puts him right in Vince's list of favourite people, to be fair. Uh, but basically, there was a story in a Queensland paper about him, um, and it went on to say this. In 1989, Jones underwent surgery to remove a mammary gland in his left breast, which began to produce milk as a result of steroid abuse. Now, let's just hold on there a minute. Now, I'm no doctor or anything like that, um, but I'd say that if you start lactating... It's probably a sign that you should stop shooting up with uh, with the steroids. But on the upside, the first one that brings a Nathan Jones Got Milk sign to SmackDown is my new hero. At The Undertaker, he then comes out to a nice pop. He takes the mic and says it's been a while. He says he's not going to talk much because he thinks there's too much talking and not enough ass kicking. He's been sitting at home for three months thinking of nothing but kicking ass. And he's here tonight with nothing but bad intentions. He rolls the footage of Big Show press slamming Taker off the stage. Taker says what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and he invites Show down to get his ass kicked face to face. He suggests Show make the walk down the ramp because if Taker has to go backstage, Show won't walk out tonight. He says he's got nothing but time. So Big Show comes out and he says he can come down the ramp and put the beating from three months ago to shame. Show says Taker knows that if he walks down the ramp, one of them isn't coming back up. Just in case that one not coming back up to the ramp is him, he's got what his agent calls a contingency plan. Show takes off his jacket and says he's sending down somebody else to answer his challenge and calls out A-Train. And The Undertaker gets the victory on A-Train with the Dragon Sleeper at uh, 5 minutes and 39. When we come back from the next commercial break, we get a new... He's not telling you anything you don't already know. And then we get another singles match of Edge defeats Shelton Benjamin with the Spear in 5 minutes and 32. Um, after the match in the locker room, uh, Kurt Angle, he chose Team Angle out for losing both matches tonight. Team Angle's now wearing these new warm-up jackets, and Kurt's got one of them as well. Uh, he says, being a member of Team Angle entails some responsibilities, none of which involve losing. Angle vows that Team Angle will not go 0 for 3 tonight. He says he's embarrassed and ashamed of both of them. And then the next match is Nunzio and Shannon Moore. Nunzio gets the victory in 3 minutes 29. Uh, Matty chases Moore off at the end, but then shakes Nunzio's hand after the match. We then get a pre-taped interview with Brock Lesnar. Um, he's interviewed about all he's accomplished. NCAA champion, debut after WrestleMania, won King of the Ring, wins the title, beats The Undertaker. He's accomplished all those things, but then he was betrayed by Paul Heyman. And since then, but since then, he's developed more goals. To beat The Big Show, win the Royal Rumble, F5 Paul Heyman, then beat Kurt Angle for WWE title in the main event at WrestleMania. We then get our final match of the night, Kurt Angle defeat. It was quite funny for Michael Cole. He asked why Heyman doesn't have one of the warm-up suits on. Um, towards the end of the match, uh, Angle slam countered into an arm drag. 6-1-9, then he's caught, but Ray hits a spinning bulldog for two. He goes to the West Coast pop, but it's countered into a roll-up. Kurt Angle gets the 1-2-3. And after the match, Kurt grabs the ankle lock, but Ed runs in to make the save. Uh, Benoit then runs down to exact some vengeance. And the faces beat down Angle, and Ray hits a 6-1-9. Then we go backstage to uh, Funaki, interview Stephen McMahon, who basically completely blows the surprise. We go to commercial, we come back, Voodoo Child hits, and it is the return of the icon, the immortal, the one Hollywood Hulk Hogan, and the crowd, they sound pretty pleased to see him as well. You know, Hulkamaniacs, I came here tonight 
to make one announcement. And that announcement is, I just signed a brand new contract. of a pop and the crowd just wouldn't stop popping that they had to go to commercial break and when they came back from commercial break Hogan was still in, stood in the ring and the crowd was still going absolutely f***ing wild. Um, Hogan he finally uh, got their attention he points to the mic and asks everyone for a minute uh, he finally says okay maniacs you are my life I admit it he said he came here to make one announcement and that announcement is that he signed a brand new contract Hulk Hogan is back Jack and one more time, Hulkamania is going to run wild, brother. Hogan's got a lot of unfinished business, and by the looks of things in the back, he's got a lot of new business to take care of. And this time, he's going to do it with each and every one of the Hulkamaniacs. Hulk Hogan and the Hulkamaniacs are going to march into battle together and fight the forces of evil together. He doesn't care what it takes, they're going to come out victorious. Hogan has to be honest and says that it may be their last journey together, and he vows that he won't let the Maniacs down this time, and may this be their greatest hour of them all. But then... The WB chairman, Vince McMusic's music hits, and Vince comes strutting down the ramp. He gets in the ring and they stare down. Uh, Vince gets on the mic and says he's disappointed with Steph's bombshell. He runs down the Hulkster for a bit, saying it's not 85, it's 2003. He doesn't want to offend Hulk Hogan, but suggests that Hulkamania is as dead as Al Wilson. It was a fucking brilliant line. Hogan, he got back on the mic and said since this may be his last comeback, he wants to do things the right way. He says the first WWE superstar that he wants to throw down with is Vince McMahon. Vince, he's getting all irate and says that he doesn't answer to Hulk Hogan and the Hulkamaniacs. He doesn't answer to anyone but Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Hogan then he lays Vince out to help him make up his mind. He tears his shirt in his traditional Hulk Hogan way, in the only way that he can, and poses at the top of the ring to end this episode of SmackDown. Let's get it So we're over to the second episode of Raw of 2003 after the Royal Rumble and this is now live from Chicago baby in the Allstate Arena. So yeah I'm looking forward to this. Uh, back then I didn't I really have a clue like I was, I was like 12, 13 at the time but it is the Allstate Arena Chicago and we all know how good a arena the Allstate Arena is in Chicago. And so we get a recap of what happened last week with Triple H forming Evolution or should I say Grand Force. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, so anyway, and we are going to get to get a Stone Cold Steve Austin update, of course, with Eric Bischoff has been sent out to find Austin. We may see Austin back in the WWE. If Austin doesn't come back, Eric Bischoff loses his job, basically. So the first match we have is Booker T against Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy opening up again. And Jeff Hardy basically loses against Booker T. And then Jeff Hardy then attacks Booker T after a Chicago spinner Rooney. Jeff sends Booker to the outside and he goes to the top, but Booker sidesteps Jeff's plunge and Jeff's face nails the security wall. So again, Jeff Hardy is lost. He doesn't know really what's happening and he just keeps losing his matches. And so this is what's happening. He's now, it looks like every time he loses a match, he attacks anybody he loses against just out of frustration really i don't like seeing it to be honest i don't like seeing a heel jeff hardy just doesn't suit his character i don't know about you guys but i really don't think jeff hardy is a heel he's more of a face so steiner is backstage he tells everybody that he's going to confront triple h about what happened last week with evolution forming and basically steiner goes out to ring and he attacks uh, all of evolution uh, and gets randy orton with a lead pipe 
and then Evolution run away because he's got steel pipe. Um, can't really make Steiner or the Triple H rivalry with Steiner and Triple H any more exciting, to be honest. It's a bit boring. I just really want this to be over and let Evolution, or should I say Ground Force, go on to bigger and better things. So we've come back from the commercial and Terry's with D'Lo Brown and Teddy Long and he has a match with the Hurricane. And for some reason, yeah, D'Lo Brown gets the win and he decides to call his new move uh, Fade to Black. So they really are going deep down with this uh, racial... Uh, storyline like let's you know he's black and he wants everybody to know about it don't really know where it's going though i don't know how it's going to work out with d'lo brown but it's about time we did something with him because he's not really been very relevant uh, in 2001 or 2002 and teddy long is now theodore long just so everybody knows so we go to the next match it's victoria with stephen richards against trish stratus in a chicago street fight match for the women's title and the winner of this match is Victoria. It was a great match. I would highly recommend you go back on the WWE Network and give this one a watch. It was pretty good for a women's match and I really enjoyed it. Probably one of the best things about this Raw, to be honest. The next match is Lance Storm and William Regal against the Dudley Boys in a tag team tables match. So, again, going back to Dudley Boys needing tables. This should be a win for them. They should win, but no, they don't win. They lose the match, and the reason why they lose the match is because Morley has got their table, and he's standing on top of the ramp with it, and therefore they lose. Uh, just, for me, just, again, Dudley Boys and the Un-Americans, I just need to get this over and done with as well, because it's boring me. Then, Triple H enters Bischoff's office. He is pissed about Scott Steiner having a number one contenders match, but then he has an enlightened moment and realises that basically Evolution are now with him. So he's basically thinking he's going to kick anybody's ass because he's got uh, Batista, Ric Flair and Randy Orton with him by his side. Because Triple H has got a shovel on his own, but now he's got all of Evolution. He may as well have a massive digger. Uh, to take with him to the ring now. So he is burying people left, right and centre. Next match is John versus Matt. The Tough Enough exhibition match. Now, <laughs> uh, Tough Enough. Uh, Al Snow is out there with them. So the match starts. A little bit of back and forth action until Nowinski comes out. Tosses Snow into the ring post. And gets in the ring to stop the exhibition. Nowinski says that they are rubbing it in there. Rubbing it in that they won. Tough Enough. And he didn't. Tommy Dreamer runs Nowinski off with a Singapore cane. Dreamer congratulates them, then beats them with the cane. So Tommy Dreamer, again, has got a cane with him. Has to always have that special weapon with him. Comes down and attacks <laughs> the Tough Enough guys with a Singapore cane. So obviously, it, 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 I don't even know if that was an exhibition, to be honest. So we're up with, next we have Bischoff coming down to the ring and says that Austin is not there. He says that when Austin left WWE in June, we were given the excuse that Vince did not know why he left. Bischoff says that there are two sides to every story and Stone Cold will tell his in this month's edition of Raw Magazine. Don't forget guys, if you go on our Facebook page, scroll down a little bit, you will be able to see this whole Stone Cold Truth article on our Facebook page. Bischoff hopes that they can take the next step and Austin will be at home on Raw. Bischoff then shows the desire video dedicated to Austin about basically why he left and how good Austin is. 
Then we have RVD and Kane versus Triple H and Batista with Randy Orton and Ric Flair on the outside. And the winners of this match are, you guessed it, Batista and Triple H. And the reason why, well, you know, it's you just got evolution there. So I don't really need to explain it that much. But that was the end of that Raw. Um, in my opinion, I'd probably give that a solid three. It was better than the one before. So we move on to the 30th of January's episode of SmackDown. Uh, we're, we're from the Rest Center in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Uh, we open up with A-Train, defeats Rey Mysterio in 3 minutes 38. He hits the train wreck backbreaker for the 1-2-3. Um, up next after that is Eddie Guerrero. He defeats John Cena. Uh, Eddie's got Charvo in his corner, Cena with Red Dog in his corner in 5 minutes and 54. Uh, towards the end of the match, Cena goes up to the top rope, but Charvo pushes him down. Uh, Eddie runs right up and hits the frog splash for the one, two, three. Uh, it was a pretty good match, and it's proving that, even though it's weird to, to look back and say this, but Cena is proving he can definitely hold his own against the Guerreros and the Benoits and the Angles of the world. We cut backstage to Paul Heyman, uh, and he's with some guy in a pink shirt with a flower on it. Um, that guy's name is Brian Kendrick, who we all know, obviously, in 2017, as in being in a cruiserweight division for WWE. Um, Heyman offers him a deal. He offers him a, the deal of a lifetime for tonight. Then we get to our next match of the night, which is Billy Kidman against Shannon Moore with Matt Hardy in his corner. Uh, Billy Kidman gets the victory in 5 minutes 52. Uh, Moore climbs up for a superplex, but Kidman knocks him off and hits the shooting star press for the 1-2-3. Uh, Matt comes right into the ring, sends Moore to the back and pounds on Kidman. Twist the fate onto Kidman, so possibly we're going to get Billy Kidman versus Matt Hardy uh, a bit further down the line. Vince McMahon then comes out and he tells us that Hogan's old, washed up and a dead body on life support. He created Hulkamania and makes No Way Out's possible main event, Hogan vs. Rock. Vince, he then walks away but stops at the ramp and introduces The Rock via satellite. Um, the Rock, is, uh, he's looking a bit different. He's, he's got a bit more heelish tendencies since the last time we, uh, last time we saw him. Um, he's getting, still gets quite a few face pops, but you can tell that this is a, a more of a, a heelish Rocky than we've seen in the past. I just hope, personally, that they do allow The Rock to go full-fledged heel and be the big prick that he used to be. Basically, The Rock, he talks shit to Hogan, uh, and I noticed as well, as soon as The Rock come on screen, it looks like Mr. Uh, Rocky Maivia now has no hair. And then our next match in the feud that just won't fucking stop, uh, Bill DeMott defeats Rikishi in 3 minutes 35. Rikishi, he tries for DDT, but DeMott counters it into a pinning combination with his feet on a ropes for the 1-2-3. Um, this was lousy as the first two matches were. Undertaker then comes out on his bike and uh, Bill DeMott runs away as quickly as possible. Uh, back from the commercial, Undertaker is sitting on the ring steps waiting for the big show. Heyman comes out instead to answer the challenge. Um, Brian Kedrick then comes out uh, on a children's bike wearing a messenger boy's outfit. Delivers a singing telegram from the big show, but then gets the last ride for his troubles. Oh my god. What'd you say about Deathless? You think this kid's wearing black pants. Oh my god. No, 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 no. You obviously came out here for a reason. Yes, sir. Well, before you wet yourself, you might better give me that reason. Well, well, sir, I have a... a singing telegram from the big show. <clears throat> oh, he's really, really sorry. Yes, he's really, really sorry. He'll never, ever do it. Oh, no, he'll never do it. Big finish now. 
for coming. Nice to know you. Just another victim. Do you think this is cute? Do you think this is funny? No, this, this is an apology from the Big Show. This is an apology. The Big Show truly is very, very sorry. Well, Paul, do this for me. I want you to go to the Big Show, and I want you to give him a message from me. That when he does finally come face to face with The Undertaker, he then will truly be sorry. Backfire, Mr. Heyman. And the bellhop is still in the ring. I think he uh, <clears throat> he wants a tip. Well, he did a pretty good job on the tune. The you Undertaker know, is a pretty good tipper. You've got a lot of guts coming out here and doing what you just did. Not a lot of brains, but a lot of guts. The only thing I like is somebody who's got guts. Well, thank you, sir. Well. There you go. Oh, Mr. Undertaker. <laughs> thank you very much, sir. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Could you do that for me just one more time? Because I don't believe I saw. What I just saw. Please, do it one more time. That Undertaker is a sweet okay. on Yes, that. sir. Anything you want. <clears throat> oh, he's really, really sorry. He's... Oh, no! Hey, Taz, I think The Undertaker... Well, can you name this too cold? Yeah, it's called The Last Ride. Nice to see you. Big Show's apology backfired. Well, I guess The Undertaker's taking the tip back. I guess that was the kid's fault for taking the last ride. And I wish we cut to the back and Kurt Angle is trying to pump up Team Angle. Uh, and then we get another Sean O'Hare uh, vignette. And then we get another Sean O'Hare vignette. He wants us to indulge our vices, have a drink and a smoke. Our next match is Team Angle, Charlie House and Shelton Benjamin uh, with Kurt Angle in the corner. They defeated Chris Benoit and Edge in a WWE Tag Team Championship number one contenders match. Angle, he trips up Benoit and Haas sets up the leapfrog double choke but only gets a two. Benjamin accidentally super kicks Haas out of the ring. Benoit kills Benjamin with three Germans. Uh, Benoit gets a flying headbutt but Benjamin kicks out. Benoit gets the cross face onto Benjamin but Haas then breaks it up. Edge spears him for his troubles but Angle uses the belt to give Benjamin the pin on Benoit. Absolutely awesome match to end this episode of SmackDown.
Okay, so we're on the third row now, and this is live from Washington, D.C. Your host, as usual, are J.R. and King. We start with a phone conversation between Eric Bischoff and Commissioner Morley, um, and then we go with an opening interview with Test and Stacy, making their triumph return, and they go on about how Jericho has got a bad attitude. Meanwhile, Kane and Arvidi meet up in Morley's office, and Rob questions Kane's hasty exit last week, what you've got to have your mask to fight? What are you, Spider-Man? Man's got a point. Molly decides to have them work out their issues in the ring. So basically, Rob Van Dam is saying to Kane, "Well, why have you always got to wear a mask?" And we all know why Kane wears a mask. He's got a burnt face. Jeez. So the first match we have is the Dudley Boys versus Three Minute Warning, and the winners of that match are Three Minute Warning uh, because the special guest referee is Rico, and he does a ridiculous three count on Bubba Dudley, and it's just well, well at least Three Minute Warning have got a win. Um, you know how I feel about Three Minute Warning not being monster heels anymore. Meanwhile, Eric Bischoff is stuck in San Antonio and can't find the address for Austin's house. I was one of those dumb fans and I thought Steve Austin was going to turn up. The realisation for the bait and switch is of course that Bischoff promised we'd see Austin tonight and Bischoff is a heel so you can't trust him anyway. Tommy Dreamer has a match and his match is interrupted by the four, sorry, not the Forsman, by Ground Force or should I say Evolution who do a random beat down on him but why JR asks. Maybe they don't like Tommy Dreamer, King responds. Now that's insightful commentary. Having disposed of Dreamer, Triple H puts over Flair and declares himself the new Flair. Apparently, every man wishes he had Triple H's body. I don't know. I like having my quad muscles attached. <laughs> I'm the game, blah, blah, blah. I'm the cerebral assassin, blah, blah, blah. Then he contradicts himself. Earlier, he said that he's the only diamond in WWE and that he changed his mind and says that it's Orton. Keep your metaphors straight, dude. Triple H introduces Batista and Orton and drones on and on about evolution. Given his Neanderthal features from the steroids, it appears that evolution passed him by a long time ago. Incredibly boring and pointless segment, but hopefully they'll go with the evolution name rather than rehearsing the horseman name. Maybe they're going for the opposite of Degeneration X. Meanwhile, Triple H and his crew watch the show from Skybox. I mean, what do you guys think? Do you think that Evolution is very similar to the Four Horsemen? Do you think this is what Triple H is going for? What Vince is going for? Trying to rip off the Four Horsemen, who are a, obviously a WCW original stable. Um, let me get the guy. Let me know what you think because I loved Evolution back in the day. I thought Evolution were absolutely awesome, um, but now as I've got older, I've now realised how much of a uh, power trip Triple H was on for those two to three years in Evolution. Meanwhile, back in San Antonio with a Bischoff countdown clock that has now become next week's Raw instead of the 30 days he originally had, Bischoff finds some redneck's house and gets directed to a salon. Next match is Victoria versus Molly Holly. Hey, maybe we'll get finally get a wrestling match after 48 minutes of talking and angles. Ugh. Molly takes her down with an arm drag to start and flips out of a full Nelson for a hip toss as JR actually remembers the Jazz Richards relationship. And here I thought I was the only one. <laughs> Victoria comes back with a side slam for two, Larry and elbow drop, get two. Victoria appears to be learning the yell after every move. Now, I like selling, I like people selling moves, but Victoria, there's no need to be doing this, you know, just calm down a bit, yeah? But Victoria blocks for clothesline and finishes with a spinal shock at 2.52. So Victoria wins the match. 
Jazz then runs in and adds a part of the beatdown on Molly. This appears to be to annoy Victoria, but would you get in Jazz's face? I think not. The match was okay for a filler match, uh, but the women's, it's not as good as a street fight they had in Chicago. Next, we have the Raw Tag Team Titles. King Regal and Sir Lancelot and versus Booker T and Goldust. Goldust hammers away on Storm and Start and Booker comes to lay in the chops. Storm hits him with an STO for two. Don't see much of that. Booker comes back with a Lariat for two. Regal comes in and gets forearmed for two. Goldust comes in and controls Storm with an arm drag. Regal takes him and Storm goes to neck vice as Goldust is your freak in peril. Drop kick missiles and Goldust rolls him up for two. Regal and Storm double team Booker and prevent a tag, leaving Goldust to fight off both champs alone. Lariat for Storm, butt butt for Regal, and a power slam on Storm gets two. Booker joins up against as it's Bonzo Gonzo, but the faces collide and Storm drop kicks Goldust for the pin at 5.30. That was a pretty lame finish. Match could have used another five minutes or so. Booker then calls back Goldbus. I mean, this is sad, guys. This, you know, this is sad ending, uh, but also happy on the, on another note. Booker T calls Goldust back, Goldust back into the ring, but Goldust blames himself. They have a heart to heart and hug at the end of the team. Um, yeah, so it was a sad, sad ending. That was the last match that you would see them as a tag team. I'd have liked to see Goldust, Goldust versus Booker T instead of them going their separate ways. But it's a change. It's a nice change having a face tag team just go the separate ways rather than having somebody get their head put through the barber's window <coughs> sure <laughs> Marty Gennetti. moving on meanwhile a guy walks into a bar in Texas stop me if you heard this one before he tries ordering a martini in a bar but gets harassed by backwards and rednecks right out of the deliverance because all they have is beer I guess the bottles of liquor behind the bar are just painted on like at Moe's the redneck yokel stereotyping continues and the wild goose chase continues to another bar. So he still hasn't found Austin. Me as a 12 year old kid, I'm still waiting, thinking, oh, I might see a bit of Austin. Hey, boys! Let's go! How are you? He's trying to stay busy. Excuse me, there, Tex. Thank you. Mike Conley. How you doing? What can I get for you? How about a uh, martini? Hold the olive. Nice and drink. Come on, Martin. Hey, 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 hey. Yeah, Grey Goose for the twist. <laughs> you gotta put a dollar in the shoebox if you wanna dance. Hey, Martin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All they got is cold beer. Cold beer. Cold beer. Cold beer's fine, thanks. You ain't around with any parts, I say, huh? No? No. No. There you go. Well, glad you could come in. $2. So you all, uh, you all haven't seen Stone Cold Steve Austin around, have you? <laughs> Stone Cold. Yeah, that's that guy. Man, that great okay, big old, that great big old boy that was in there. Yeah, yeah, that great big guy. That's a guy with a nice attitude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tipped quite well. You know, I'm local. Yeah, yeah, he was in here earlier. Sure was. Said he's supposed to meet. What did you say your name was again? My name's Eric. Eric, Eric. Bischoff. Eric, glad to meet you. Ooh, that's the one uh, 
I don't know how glad he is to meet you, but I, I think he's your, I don't know if he's your friend or what, he but he came in here looking for you. Yeah, all right. Forget about all that. Just tell me where he is. He went to a bar down, down the street. What RG. bar? Don't care. Silver dollar Archie blues. blues. What the hell is an Archie Blues? There's a hole in the wall. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like a basement to go downstairs, sawdust on the floor. I'm up the local martini. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what. You get a martini over there. Great. Serves up a good one. change for a hundred? You bet. You know what? I'll tell you what. Thanks for all your help. Keep the change. Hey, no problem. Hey, 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 hey. Next match is Rob Van Dam versus Kane, and the winner of this match, uh, there isn't. It's uh, there's no match. Jeff Hardy runs in for the inexplainable DQ at 4:14. It was really sloppy and lacking something. They beat the crap out of Jeff. So RVD and Kane had a quite a little. Uh, I couldn't, they had an all right match, Kane and RVD. Um, I don't understand why Jeff came in and decided to attack them, and it resulted in a DQ. Again, this is. It's, uh, I don't understand why. We're, you know, I know Jeff Hardy is having this, you know, uh, he's just having a bad time, isn't he, really? Jeff Hardy is then left in the ring and Shawn Michaels comes to join us. He gives Jeff some free advice. He's hot at the world and he's wasting his potential, Shawn says to Jeff. What potential? Apparently, it's decision time for Jeff, much like when Shawn threw Marty through the window. Puff, <laughs> cough, cough, 15 years ago. Way to make yourself seem older, Shawn. Jeff flips out and gets all anger-ridden, which earns him a super kick for his troubles from Shawn Michaels. So Jeff Hardy not only has come out and got RVD and uh, Kane disqualified, got his ass kicked, then he gets a super kick from Shawn Michaels. What has Jeff Hardy done to piss people off in the back? Next match is Maven versus D'Lo Brown, so black on black. Um, and it's D'Lo Brown gets to win with a sky high. Uh, I like where they're going though with this uh, all racist uh, angle. I think it's really good, and again, it gives D'Lo Brown a reason to be doing something. Um, and it's I like these sort of lot sort sort of storylines because they're not politically incorrect, not political correct, and I like these when they you know you really tug at the strings of a of a of a, of a fan's heart or. Their, their brain. I like that. How I do. Meanwhile, in the back, Triple H's minions mock Goldust and deliver a beating, sending him into an electrical box, which produces the usual fake sparks. It's not fake sparks, though, is it? It's not fake sparks. The real Goldust has got electrocuted and feel really bad for him. Next up, we have the New One Contenders match. It's Chris Jericho against Scott Steiner. Wow, Scott Steiner showed up on this show. Uh, I was waiting for him to come somewhere down the line, but yeah, here he is. Scott Steiner is against Chris Jericho. Scott Steiner beats with a Simone drop from the top of the turnbuckle. Ow. That's all I'm going to say. Ow. That must hurt. Um, it could have been any other way, but yeah, Scott Steiner gets the win, and we're going to get Scott Steiner against Triple H again. Meanwhile, Vince McMahon comes down to the ring. Apparently, he's a face again, and once again points out that he is not impressed. Next week, Bischoff gets fired. And we end this episode of Raw. This Raw, I'd probably give it about two and a half. Wasn't that good. I feel sorry for you, Dave. Uh, when we were doing Raws and Smackdowns a bit earlier on in the podcasting. Um, 
Raw is a really poor show. I really wish I was back on SmackDown. So it is on to the February 6th edition of SmackDown. Uh, we are from the first Union Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, we got a Velocity taping before um, before SmackDown went on the air. Uh, the taping had one match that stuck out, which was John Cena defeated one Brian Danielson or Daniel Bryan to a 2017 fan. Uh, SmackDown kicks off. We see a big wooden box hung over the ring by a crane uh, with a bow, and it says to the Undertaker. Uh, our opening match is Jamie Noble against Rey Mysterio. Uh, Jamie Noble obviously with Nidia in his corner. Rey gets the win with the West Coast pop in a very exciting opening bout. Then via satellite, Rocky Maivere is here again. Hollywood Rock. Very, very bold Hollywood Rock. He appears on the big screen. He cuts a bit of a heel promo in the city of Philadelphia. He says that he couldn't help but notice the fans booing him lately. He says it doesn't matter because The Rock will always entertain the fans. But then he says there is, on, there is one man that the fans never booed, Hulk Hogan. He says that he's going to layeth the smacker down on Hulk Hogan's ass at No Way Out. Finally, The Rock has come back to Philadelphia. Well, The Rock actually isn't in Philadelphia right now live, but The Rock is on his show SmackDown. And right over here to The Rock's right in the people's kitchen, The Rock is cooking up something special, something from Philadelphia, something Philadelphia's gonna love. 100% grade A, best on the planet, Philadelphia cheese steak. Nah, The Rock is only kidding. Hey, come on, The Rock wouldn't be caught dead eating that stuff. You kidding me? What? You know, you remember. You remember the last time we were at, we were at Pat's restaurant out there, Pat's cheesesteak? You remember that? Yeah, the Rock is lactose intolerant. You know that. The Rock can't handle that cheese. You remember we were all sitting around the table. Hey, Rock, how you doing? Oh, The Rock is doing... <laughs> I can't do that to Philadelphia, man. Brotherly love, come on. I tell you what you can do, though, baby. You know what? Go ahead and uh, scratch the cheesesteak. Go ahead and make The Rock some of that some of that Tampa Bay tofu. Looking <laughs> good. You lose weight? Yeah. Thank you, baby. What was it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. <clears throat> you know, The Rock remembers it wasn't that long ago when The Rock returned to the WWE, and The Rock stood right out front, right out front of the Philadelphia spectrum, right in front of that big Rocky Balboa statue. The Rock heard it then, and The Rock could hear it now, crystal clear. That's the people of the people's champ chanting the Great One's name. You know, don't get The Rock wrong. The Rock will always and forever be, proudly, proudly, forever be the people's champion. Oh, yeah. But there's one thing that The Rock couldn't help but notice. The Rock couldn't help but notice that some of you actually booed The Rock.
That's fine. The Rock has no problem with that. The Rock has no problem with that. You can chant The Rock's name. You can boo The Rock because The Rock will forever and always entertain and electrify you like nobody else. That's all I want to do. All of But The Rock has just one question. The Rock is just curious as to why, why you're booing The Rock. Why? Because The Rock. Rock just figured it out. Of course, because it's Philadelphia. Because it's Philadelphia. That's exactly what you guys, guys, do. Mm -hmm. Donovan McNabb, he gets drafted. You boo him out of the building. Mike Schmidt, the greatest third baseman of all time. Boo the hell out of him too. You like to boo greatness. Well, the one thing The Rock noticed is there's, there's one man who's pretty good, he's not great, not like The Rock, he's okay, who you have never booed. That man is Hulk Hogan. That's right, yeah, yes, yes, yeah. everybody loves Hulk Hogan. Little guys, old people, people in the middle, fat, skinny, everybody loves Hogan. The Rock loves Hogan too, much love for Hulk Hogan, absolutely. Our next match is Nunzio versus Rikishi. Uh, Rikishi wins after a stink face and a bonsai drop. Nunzio gets on the mic and asks Rikishi if he's trying to disrespect him. Uh, Nunzio says that that won't set well with the people he's with. Hmm, what does that mean? We then cut to Paul Heyman on the stage and he gets the crane operator to lift the big wooden box and place it back in the ring. Uh, Paul says that the Big Show is not here tonight. He says that but the contents of the box is a gift from the Big Show to The Undertaker. The Undertaker comes down and chases Paul Heyman off, looks curiously at the big box, the Undertaker opens the door of the box and finds none other than Brother Fucking Love. The Undertaker, as we all expect, he was happy to see Brother Love and finished him off with a chokeslam and a tombstone. Hulk Hogan, he walks around backstage and shakes hands of two young guys <laughs> like he does that in real life. Uh, he then runs into Brock Lesnar, who gives, Hogan, who gives Hogan a cocky welcome back and a smile. And then our next match of the night is a non-title match of Billy Kidman against Matt Hardy with Shannon Moore. Kidman reverses the twist of fate into a pinfall for the upset victory. Hardy tells Michael Cole and Taz that he will lose some weight to qualify as a cruiserweight. Hardy says next time he meets with Billy Kidman, he'll take away the cruiserweight title. So at least I suppose it's pretty something for Matt Hardy to do. Um, he had obviously had his run with Brock Lesnar when he was kind of Brock Lesnar's lackey to an extent. Um, he had his matches with Undertaker, but since then it has been stale. So at least now this is giving uh, Matt Hardy something to do going forward. Backstage, Kurt Angle is giving Shelton and Charlie a pep talk before their tag team title match. And we get to that match of Los Guerreros, your current SmackDown tag team champions, against Team Angle with Paul Heyman. Eddie hits the frog splash on Benjamin, but Benjamin isn't a legal man. And Charlie House rolls up Eddie for the upset victory to win the WF tag team titles. Your new tag team champions, Charlie House and Shelton Benjamin, Team Angle. Then Hogan, he comes out and tries to instigate another 15-minute ovation, but the crowd are having none of it. Uh, before Hogan can speak, The Rock pops up on the big screen again via satellite. He says that he can't wait to face Hulk Hogan at No Way Out. He says he's going to sit back and relax and listen to what Hulk has to say. Hulk begins to talk, and as The Rock yawns and interrupts Hogan and he mocks Hulkamania, The Rock tells Hogan not to bore the fans with the vitamins and posing stick. The Rock says he's got to go and leaves the big screen. Hogan gets back to his business and says Vince McMahon said that Hulkamania was on life support. But he says that he believes that Vince McMahon is full of shit. He says that Vince McMahon is scared to death to get in the ring with Hulk Hogan. 
We go backstage to Sean O'Hare, finally get an appearance from Sean O'Hare. He's trying to convince Brian Kendrick to streak on SmackDown. Uh, and after the commercial, we see Brian Kendrick run down naked with a scarf tied around his neck. Uh, a referee chases him around the announce table a few times. Uh, Brian jumps the rail, runs through the crowd and out of view. Enough said about that, the better I think. Next match, Albert is squashes Shannon Moore in about 30 seconds. Uh, and then suddenly the streaker is back through the crowd and into the ring. A crew of referees chase him round under the ring. They find the corner him, but Brian escapes through the legs of security and runs up the stage. Then we go backstage to Steph. She's on the phone asking if Bischoff really did sign Steve Austin. Uh, we see Brian Kedrick running through the halls and escaped into Steph's office. Uh, Steph stands there looking at the naked newcomer and Brian introduces himself just as the officials barge in and drag him out of the office. Then we get a promo with John Cena. He comes out and wraps a challenge to Brock Lesnar for next week. And then we get an interview backstage with Chris Benoit and Kurt Angle. Uh, Chris talks about getting a stand ovation at the Rumble despite losing his match. And he says that all he could think of was that he let his family down. Chris says that he'll never stop at his quest for that. But then Kurt Angle interrupts. He says that he's married to a WB title. He says that his gold medals are his children. He says that when Chris messes with him, he's messing with his wife and his kids. I wonder if he told Jeff Jarrett that. Uh, Chris says that he looks forward to one day taking Kurt's family away from him. And our main event of the night is Kurt Angle against Chris Benoit. Benoit's eye gets busted open and bloodied during the match. Uh, Kurt pulls the victory out, yet another classic match between the two. Uh, Kurt offers to shake Benoit's hand. Benoit hesitates but shakes Kurt's hand. But then Team Angle attack Benoit from behind. Ed runs down but is taken out as well. Brock runs down and cleans house as Smackdown goes off the air. And so we're on to the fourth Raw. That's uh, February the 10th in the Staples Centre. And unfortunately, at the beginning of this show, we do find out that um, Mr. Perfect has passed away here. Uh, and this is uh, Curtis Axel's father. If anybody didn't know who he was, Mr. Perfect, please tell me you know who Mr. Perfect is. But unfortunately, yes, he did pass away, and we are showed this at the beginning of Raw. Tonight, the WWE family celebrates the life of Mr. Perfect, Kurt Hennig. Kurt's boyish charm and zest for life made him one of the most engaging personalities in all WWE history. By definition, there can and will forever be only one Mr. Perfect.
So the opening, uh, the opening of the show, we have uh, Uncle Eric, Eric Bischoff. Uh, he joins in the ring. JR notes that Bischoff has had 30 days to turn things around, and more specifically, to sign Austin. Now, when did they ever say that Austin signing would save his job? Think about that. And not only that, it's only been 22 days. Bischoff lets us know that Austin's not here, and he's done everything humanely possible to sign him. Uh, oh, and oh, of course, when Vince comes out, the crowd should suck up to uh, Vince on his behalf because, well, let's face it, there is people. This guy should go into politics. Anyway, until Vince gets here, he's still the boss. So he harasses JR and gives him the business over JR's lack of support for Austin's signing. So until JR can deliver Austin, he's fired. Uh, well, you know, I think it's sort of good anyway. Get rid of Lawler too, and we're onto something. It's about time Eric Bischoff did something useful anyway, really, isn't it? Meanwhile, Triple H and some other guys have arrived in their limo. Obviously, I'm talking about Ground Force. Again, we've just gone and been shown Ground Force arriving in their limo for the second consecutive Raw in a row. Ground Force have arrived. So we're going to our first match, finally, uh, and it's Test, a guy that I used to despise, but I'm, all, I'm sort of liking him now because he is part of the Testicles um, with Stacey Keebler. So we got Test versus Christian. Lawler is doing commentary solo, which could get quite ugly, if, if you ask me. Test attacks and pounds him in the corner star as the crowd dies in record time. He pulls a Nash choke on Christian, but Christian goes over to the eyes and neck snaps him over to take over. Then Jonathan Coachman takes over on a play-by-play. -play. Thank goodness. Right, thank goodness Coachman is here because I know he's funny. King on his own, he really does suck. Tess comes back with a lariat and a side slam for two. Then a pump handle is reversed into an inverted DDT for two by Christian. He goes up, but Tess rolls through the crossbody and presses Christian to set up the kick of fear, which misses. Test drive is reversed to the unprettier, but Test gets Uncle Slam for the pin at 3.06, so three minutes and six. I would once again like to stress that Test is a terrible wrestler and is not over. He really isn't. So Jeff Hardy comes down and saves Stacy from a further harm, which of course makes no sense given his behavior lately. You know, Jeff Hardy, like I said, in the past couple of Raws, he's been over, up, down, everywhere. He's been getting his ass kicked, losing his shit, but then he decides to come out and say Stacey Keebler. How, how does that even make any sense? Okay, so then anyway, moving on away from that cluster, you know what. Uh, meanwhile, JR is desperately seeking Steve. And then we're going to recap of last week's shocking and electrifying Goldust angle. Scott Steiner anywhere. quickly on the scene here Goldust another terrible accident getting electrocuted they did hear him say he had the pulse and he is he is breathing taking him to a medical facility as we speak uh, so next match we've got Booker T versus D'Lo Brown Teddy gives an inspirational speech about replacing Goldust with D'Lo uh -oh. stand back let me say something to you player Booker what you need to do is you need to stop worrying about Goldust 
You understand what I'm saying? The electrocution of gold dust was the best thing that could ever happen to you, player. Now, don't you get it? All gold dust is, is another white man trying to keep the black man down. Now, let me tell you, look at the night. The man has forced you to fight each other. You ought to be thinking about getting down with the brown. In fact, you ought to be tagging with D-Lo tonight. How about that? But Booker engages in player-hating and attacks to start. A four-round round sidekick to, to get two. Uh, then he has an axe kick, misses, and D-Lo comes back with a token jobber offense. Booker sidekicks, kick, sidekicks him and gets the axe kick for the pin at 1 minute and 15 seconds. And in that uh, in that sense, that is a total squash for D'Lo Brown. And I don't understand really because D'Lo Brown has been doing really well. Um... Uh, and his little singles push uh, and then he goes against Booker T and gets obviously flattened again booking it's just not making much sense to me so meanwhile Jericho protests his match with tester Eric Bischoff and demands that Jeff Hardy be taught a lesson ooh what sort of lesson would that be well is he going to get buried again I mean I don't, I, I don't see where this is going so anyway next we've got Jazz versus Molly Holly Molly returns fire and gets a clothesline to come back but Jazz takes her down with a single leg and goes into a half crab into the STF for the submission. And at 3.34, crowd didn't care about it at any point, though. Um, they didn't care. I'd, I'd give it like a one star, to be fair. Uh, Jazz Victoria could be pretty good if they go all stiff and nasty, though, I think. If, if, if Jazz and Victoria go crazy and slapping and kicking and punching and making it really nasty it could be a good match meanwhile jr's phone rings it's apparently austin but it turns out to be jr's friend steve from oklahoma next up we have kane and rvd versus three minute warning i'm hoping for a quick and painless one here but i'm not holding my breath Jamal misses a leg drop to start and Rob splashes him for two. Jamal misses a charge, but Rob gets dumped and hammered into the corner. Rosie splashes and gets two. Flying clothesline, big boot. Rob gets a missile drop kick and rolling thunder for two. Choke slam and a frog splash finishes Jamal at four minutes and eight seconds. Meanwhile, Vince arrives. He wants to know what JR is doing in the parking lot. Well... I don't know, Vince. This is your show. How, how would you not know? <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't. Think, he doesn't have a TV in his limo. What if Austin showed up at the top of the show and Vince didn't see it? <sighs> so next we have Vince. He joins us to make an easy call. Bischoff firing. Coach notes that this has been a long thirty days. It's not been thirty days though, Coach. It's only been twenty-two days. Vince points out that he's not going to fire Morley because he's changed his mind and will allow Mr. Morley to decide his own fate via a match. And all he has to do is beat all three of the Dudley boys. Single-handedly. <sighs> On to Bischoff. No, not Austin yet, but as a peace offering for Vince, he offers some HLA instead. Not just lesbians, but bisexual lesbians. That doesn't even make sense. But that's not enough for Vince. Bischoff is fired. We get the tired na 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 stuff. Compared with Vince's crazy old man strut, this, in my opinion, again, was a pretty bad segment. Well, let me tell you exactly where we're at. In those no, 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 no. Give me a yes or a no. 
Have you signed Stone Cold for No Way Out? He's got all the papers in his hands. We're just waiting for some... Yes or no? You better give him an answer, King. No. Oh. <laughs> oh. Not the answer he was looking for. Wrong answer. Yeah. Wrong answer. You see, I don't know why you'd want to sign that SOB. I hate Austin's guts, personally speaking. Oh. But aside from that, I confess. Had you signed Austin, you'd still have your job. You know why? Why is that? I mean, because I would thoroughly enjoy watching you attempt to control a foul-mouthed, beer-swilling, redneck rattlesnake. I'd like to see that too, to be honest with you. And those are good points. <laughs> but since you haven't fulfilled your obligations either, Eric, you leave me no alternative. No, no, Mr. McMahon, before oh. you say another word. Please, please, hear me out, please. Rick Bischoff! You're fired! Oh! There he is! He's gone! He's history toast! Eric Bischoff has made his last decision, folks. I feel so damn good about firing Eric Bischoff, I'm gonna sing him a song tonight! <laughs> He'll sing a song! Na, 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 na! Oh, no! Meanwhile, Regal sucks up to Vince, who is in turn promised a, G a new gem later tonight. I think it's probably asking because they still need to produce him somehow for tonight. They need he needs to come out. I I'm expecting Austin to show up. Either that or JR had Austin there all along and deliberately got Bischoff fired before taking his job. But then you have to ask how JR would know that Bischoff would fire him for not producing Austin. That's uh, so the next match we've got. Mr. Morley versus Spike, Devon, and Bubba. And basically they kick the crap out of him and he loses. Next match is Batista versus Tommy Dreamer. Ah, oh, God, here we go. The uh, ground force squashes are continuing. Tommy attacks with the kendo stick and it all goes no sold. Batista spears him and finishes with the powerbomb at 27 seconds. Yep, that'll definitely get Batista over. <laughs> in 27 seconds uh, Booker T storms in and saves Dreamer from further damage upon beatdown from the Triple H faction results Steiner makes a save and fights them off man Booker T sure looks like a bitch after needing Steiner to fight his battles for him next match we have Chris Jericho against Jeff Hardy and the winner of this and Jericho basically gets the win with a Walls of Jericho in 10 minutes and 45 seconds in my opinion an alright match like I said it wasn't it wasn't a, a terrible match I thought it was quite good for what they they did but it was more Jericho than it was Hardy in the match if you watch it back meanwhile Vince meets up with Evolution backstage and makes Triple H and Batista versus Booker T and Scott Steiner next week and I wonder who's going to win this match Ugh. so we have a main event interview Vince comes out to introduce a new gym and JR and Bischoff both come out and JR informs Vince and Bischoff has guaranteed Austin at the pay-per-view. JR gets his announcing spot back and Bischoff is then again, except Bischoff said he'd do anything. So, we get the return of the Kiss My Ass Club. You had to know this would be coming someday, someday especially for someone like Bischoff. I love, I mean... 
I'm I'm far from gay, but I would love to see Eric Bischoff kiss uh, Vince McMahon's ass. Uh, but no, he, he can't do it. Uh, he won't kiss Vince's ass. So Vince basically comes up with. Um, he just basically says, "Well, if you're not going to kiss my ass, you can face uh, Stoke or Steve Austin at No Way Out." So that is another thing that we can look forward to Eric Bischoff against Stone Cold Steve Austin at No Way Out uh, in my opinion this Raw hasn't been the best but it also hasn't been the worst I'd probably give it overall around about a two and a half two and a half stars out of five that's that's my rating for it uh, it's just been one of those things it's been another week still not as much as an appearance of Austin so we're still waiting for Austin uh, and do you think that the fans are really going to buy into a guaranteed ap appearance by Austin at the pay-per-view even if it's Vince who does the guaranteeing so now they've basically hyped Austin for three weeks in a row and failed to deliver each time and I bet the rating takes another tumble on this week's show so Smackdown again February the 13th 2003 taped from Bakersfield California our opening match is Edge versus Charlie Haas. Towards the end of the match, uh, Haas tries a lariat, but Edge catches him and sends him down for a flapjack. Heyman gets on the apron and takes a spear for the team. Haas is then able to roll the pegs from behind for a 1-2-3. Then backstage in Stephanie's office, Kurt Angle walks into the room. He gives her a rose and tries to start working the Olympic mojo, but Brock walks in. Stephanie makes a six-man tag for No Way Out. Team Angle versus Edge, Benoit and Brock Lesnar. Next match of the night, Rikishi versus Nunzio. During the match, uh, Johnny Stamboli and Chuck Palumbo run down. They start a beatdown on Rikishi, so it looks like is this going to be a new group of, uh, of Nunzio, Johnny Stamboli, who obviously we know from WCW and Palumbo, who, as we know from Billy and Chuck, uh, one of our favourites. Uh, it's good to see him back, but just maybe Billy Gunn could turn up at some point somewhere. That'd be nice. Up next is Rey Mysterio versus Matt Hardy. Uh, we get a Matt fact. Uh, Matt gets more Valentines than Jeff. What an absolute stud. Uh, Rey Mysterio gets the victory with the 619 followed by the West Coast Pop. Uh, we then get another backstage segment with Sean O'Hare and Brian Kendrick. He tells Brian that he did a good job doing what he did last week. Uh, Brian got in big trouble for the incident. Bildermott shows up and beats up Paul Kendrick. Next match is Chris Benoit versus A-Train. And the match comes when A-Train goes for the train wreck but Benoit counters it to the crossface for the tap out. Uh, we then see Tori Wilson. She meets up with a guy from Girls Gone Wild and agrees to come to their pay-per-view next month. Uh, so Tori Wilson it seems like she's got over Al quick enough anyway let's say she's all happy and smiley again uh, Paul Heyman we see him then with another big wooden box for Taker uh, Taker comes out and Paul leaves again uh, Canyon's inside he attacks Taker from behind but gets a beat down that was um, different let's say what's in the crate that's what I want to know Now I know none of you are better than Canyon, but there is one better, and I could learn a lot from this man. Well, wait a minute! Next match, Eddie Guerrero versus Shelton Benjamin. Uh, this match on paper should rock, and it completely did in the ring. It was an absolutely brilliant match. Towards the end of the match, Eddie, he goes for the frog splash, uh, but Benjamin tries a super kick. Eddie catches it. Uh, but Shellen hits an awesome spinning kick. Um, he likes to call the dragon whip. He gets a clean one, two, three. Very surprising that Shellen gets the clean victory over Eddie. But obviously, with them taking the tag team belts, um, it looks like obviously they are making Shelton Benjamin and Charlie Ash look quite big deals on the main roster. 
we get a long video package of the Hogan Rock feud. Um, it was pretty cool, but pointless at the same time, to be fair. And then Hugh Hefner announces that a diva will be naked in Playboy very, very soon. And on the back of that, we get a bra and panties match. We've not had one of these in a while. Dawn Marie versus Tori Wilson. Stepmother versus stepdaughter again. Uh, Tori ends up stripping Dawn's clothes. Um, there's not really much else to be said about the match. But Nidia attacks afterwards and Tori fights her off too. We get a pretty cool tale of the tape. It's shown with the graphics of Cena and Brock. Uh, Cena's big accomplishment so far is a degree in the art of thugonomics. So it is our main event. It's Brock Lesnar versus John Cena. Towards the end of the match, uh, Brock is pounding away in the corner and hits a few belly-to-belly -belly suplexes. Uh, Cena gets dumped and sent into the steel post. Uh, back into the ring, Cena gets hit with an F5 and Brock gets the 1-2-3. Then Brock gets on the mic, calls out Angle, and F5 Cena into the post, knee first to bring him out. We come back from the break and Angle comes out. They they get face-to-face, -face, but Angle doesn't want to do anything. He says he has a sinus infection. Uh, Angle offers a match for next week, and Brock accepts. Brock doesn't want to wait, and he attacks Kurt. Brock sets up the ring post, F5, but Team Angle make the save. Brock goes crazy and attacks both members of Team Angle, giving them both F5s. The show ends with Brock towering over a scared Angle on the ramp. I invited you to come out and watch my match. No, I ain't inviting you, Kurt. I'm telling you to come out here. Not a shot. You're not coming, Kurt. That's it, huh? You're not coming? Well, maybe this will change your mind. The hell is Brock Lesnar talking about? I don't know. I don't know. You blame Kurt Angle for not coming. Wait a minute. John Cena was still out oh, ringside. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. And I think it's that maneuver that's, that Brock's trying to lure Kurt Angle out here with. Easy, He's easy, trying to punk me out. Easy. He's trying to punk me out. So what? Boy, nobody punks me out. Just relax. Don't worry about Brock. I got him. I got him. So he's trying to punk you out. Big deal. I'm going out there. Now you can take away. Who the pain, Brock? Angle's not for Team Angle. Here we go. Here comes Angle. Here comes Angle. We are back on SmackDown, a potentially explosive situation. Brock Lesnar has called out Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle has responded. You want to give these people Kurt Angle, NCAA champion, Olympic gold medalist, and the greatest WWE champion ever versus Brock Lesnar? 
right here at Bakersfield. Oh, we're going home. I want my title. Brock looks like he's going to explode. I say that's fine with me, Brock. Let's give him Angle versus Lesnar. Yes! All right! Angle and Lesnar! There we go! Knuckle up time! Knuckle up time! Angle Lesnar! Oh, this is a matchup I've been waiting for so long, Taz. Both men in each other's grill. It's the champion and the number one contender face to face. Nose to nose. Psyching each other out. Don't get me wrong, Lesnar. I'd love to wrestle you right here tonight. But, uh, I have a sinus infection. You do? You want to know what I think? I think you're a chicken Well, Brock never mentions words. No, 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 no. Hold on a second. I really do have a sinus infection. But I'll tell you what, Brock. Whether my agent likes it or not, I say we do give these people the ultimate wrestling contest. That's right, Brock. One-on-one. -on -one. Angle versus Lesnar. Right here. Next week. On the 2nd of February, we have Tattoo starting their four-week run at the number one spot on the UK singles chart with all the things she said, which was, if you recall, Victoria's old theme song. 4th of February, the Federal Republic of Yugoslavia is officially renamed Serbia and Montenegro and adopts a new constitution. On the 15th of February, an estimated 11 million people worldwide protest the war in Iraq. On the 18th of February, the Daegu subway fire in South Korea kills nearly 200 people. Going back to the 10th of February, we lost WWE Hall of Famer, Mr. Perfect, Kurt Hennig. Okay, so we're on to the fifth and final Raw of uh, 2003 before No Way Out. And this is from the Nationwide Arena in Columbus, Ohio. And we first see a SmackDown Shut Your Mouth uh, video game launch. So it's been promoted now. So this is the next game that will be on the PlayStation 2 uh, for people to uh, play really good game and if you have not heard it already please go back and just listen to my little games review i do here just look down soundcloud and you'll be able to see it it's got big picture of brock lesnar on there okay so we go on to the first match the opening match and that is rob van damme versus lance storm storm hot spot hot shots him 
but walks into another spin kick and Rob heads up only to get stopped by Regal. Storm crotches him and follows him up but heads back down the hard way and the frog splash finishes at 7 minutes and 20. This was, to be fair, it was a pretty technically sound match. Um, but it was really dull and there was a lot of two counts. So a lot of false finishes in my opinion. Uh, just there's no need for it. Meanwhile, Jeff Hardy hangs out with HBK and they manage to annoy Bischoff. He promises a big announcement later. However, as promised, Eric Bischoff joins us. He invites someone here to Raw because business is unfinished. And yes, it's Chief Morley. So his first act, Morley is reinstated. So he makes a match with Sean and Jeff against Christian Jericho in order to reassert his authority. And the Dudleys have been suspended and thrown out of the building. Plus we get Spike versus, wait for it, Spike Dudley versus 3 minute warning on his own. Eric lets us know that he's a black belt and thus we get an exhibition tonight against JR. So Eric Bischoff against JR tonight. Eric Bischoff is facing JR in a wrestling match. Uh, I honestly, looking back at this match when it was, you know, announced back in the day, I honestly couldn't have predicted who'd win the match. But you'd think that Morley's going to get involved somehow. So the next match, we have Victoria and Jazz versus Jackie and Molly Holly. But Jazz finishes her with a DDT at 3 minutes and 6. A DDT. A DDT. So the women at the moment, I don't know if you can remember back to one of the old podcasts where we had Victoria against Tristratus. She finished her match with a DDT. Or something along the line. Like a really, I think it was a snap suplex. But anyway, I know it's the women, but really, at EDT, they should really be thinking of other moves to be, you know, using. Anyway, Jazz puts the beats on everyone afterwards, and the crowd is stunned. And when I say stunned, I mean the silent. There's, it's just nothing. You could hear a crisp packet uh, blow by. Jazz and Victoria have their breakup afterwards. This feud is such a bad, idea, bad, bad idea, in my opinion, and the match is going to be death. It's going to be death, and the crowd are going to hate it. Meanwhile, Booker lets us know that Gold Dust ain't right. He's not right since the accident, and we're going to see a bit, a couple more rows away. We're going to see a quite a, a funny Tourette's skit gimmick from Gold Dust, where he's going to be stuttering at every sentence. Trying to like show that he's been electrocuted, but I'm not going to spoil it too much anyway. Meanwhile, Evolution, or should I say Ground Force, chills and makes fun of Goldust's terrible condition. Oh, those those terrible people taking the piss out of Goldust. And finally, JRN King stopped for a few words about Kurt Henning, complete with a video package. Um, which is really what we need, really. We need a video package of Kurt Henning. We need to know Mr. Perfect. People, I know... There are some people out there, Dave would probably disagree with me, but there are some people out there who probably at the time didn't know Mr. Perfect was or is. And there are people now, especially little kids in our era now, 2017, have probably not a clue who he is. Um, but they did the right thing by showing a video package. The guy, in my opinion, was, he should have been a WWE champion, world champion at some point. So next, we have a surprise person come out, and it's Rodney Mack. Red Dog, who was seen as Buddy for for like a week on SmackDown, um, yeah, he was seen as he was seen as rapping Buddy uh, on on SmackDown, and that obviously didn't work. So anyway, Rodney Mac comes out and he's with Teddy Long, 
uh, and he's coming out and they're now going off raging about the man again. So we have Rodney Knack versus Al Snow. Snow gets a huge face pop to make wake up the crowd, but this should be a squash, which is right in line with W thinking these days. Snow attacks to start, but gets overpowered. But Mac misses a charge, he comes back with a power slam, but Snow gets his trapped headbutts and heads up. Moonsault hits knee and Mac finishes a horribly botched Tiger Bomb at 1 minute 50 seconds. Basically dropping on the back of his head in a sick fashion. Meanwhile, Christian and Jericho prep for a tag team match and Jericho throws in a gum spitting tribute to Henning. So we've got Jeff Hardy and Shawn Michaels versus Christian and Chris Jericho. It's a big broad start and Jericho gets dumped but blocks Jeff's Hardy's rail, rail runner uh, with a power slam. Jericho Christian pound on Sean outside and introduce him to the steps, then handcuff him to the bottom rope. Jericho taunts, taunts Sean with the key while the heels pound on Jeff. Jeff makes his own comeback. Well, hold on, he makes his own comeback, and we're meant to be getting a heel turn from Jeff Hardy, but I don't see one coming here. Anyway, he gets pounded on again. The heels go after Sean and work him over with his own belt again. Jeff is jealous, and then head back to Jeff again. That goes again for a while, and Jericho keeps waving the key at Sean, but gets super kicked and loses the key. Sean locks himself as the match grinds to halt and gets the hot tag. He unloads his 1996 offence on Christian, but walks into an elbow and dumps Christian and assists Jeff with a dive. Then super kicks a chair into Jericho's face. Hardy finishes Jericho with a swan tom at 7 minutes and 18 seconds. I don't get this booking. I don't get this booking at all. Why constantly make Michaels look like a superhuman babyface who can follow every heel's plan and won't sell anyone but Triple H? The match was a total car wreck and at least it got the crowd going. I'd give it... I'd probably give it about one and a half stars to be fair. Next up we have the Hurricane versus Christopher Nowinski in what I would like to call a filler match. I have absolutely no interest whatsoever in this match. Um, and sadly this is probably going to be one of the last matches we see with Nowinski. There's not much left for him to be honest after this uh, horrible concussion. He uh, has... Uh, because of that terrible drop kick clusterfuck from Rey Mysterio and Edge in the Royal Rumble. Uh, but anyway, the Hurricane basically gets the win with the eye of the Hurricane. Next match we have is Spike Dudley versus Three Minute Warning. And basically Spike Dudley gets an absolute arse kicking. Uh, the absolute shit beat out of him. Um, you know, I don't really need to run down what they actually do to him. Um, if, but if you really want to see a, a guy that weighs about the same weight as one of my shits on a really good day, uh, then uh, getting his ass kicked by two super heavyweights and a guy that is Rico, then please do go ahead and watch this episode of Raw on the WWE Network because Spike Dudley does take an absolute ass kicking. Next up, we've got Scott Steiner pulling uh, one of his promos off. Uh, to be fair, this was actually a pretty decent one from Scott Steiner. Not a bad one. Um, one of his better ones, to be fair. Um, and I think they've given up, to be fair, on Steiner and Triple H. Um, and we we pretty much know that when he faces Triple H, no way out. He's going to lay down. He's going to get pinned one, two, three. So the next match we have is Scott Steiner and Booker T. Scott Starr and Booker T. Now, where have I seen these two in a tag team before? Oh, yeah, in the WCW. Uh, WCW, when they were uh, part of the WCW, those two were the main eventers, and they're now going against 
terrorizing and Batista, the guy that got told by uh, uh, WCW that he'd never make it, and look at him now. So you've got Scott Steiner and Booker T against Triple H and Batista, and it was a pretty terrible match. There's a lot of slow moves. It's the best you're going to get, really, from Steiner. Steiner it's, it's Triple H, basically, is the only guy in there, and, and Booker T, to be fair, but Triple H and Booker T are the only guys in that match that really look like they could uh, actually work a match. Uh, the rest of it's all bullshit, to be fair. Next up, we've got Scott Steiner pulling uh, one of his promos off. Uh, to be fair... This was actually a pretty decent one from Scott Steiner. Not a bad one. Um, one of these better ones, to be fair. Um, and I think they've given up, to be fair, on Steiner and Triple H. Um, and we we pretty much know that when he faces Triple H, no way out. He's going to lay down. He's going to get pinned one, two, three. So the next match we have is Scott Steiner and Booker T. Scott Steiner and Booker T. Now, where have I seen these two in a tag team before? Oh, yeah. In the WCW. Uh, WCW when they were uh, part of the WCW those two were the main eventers and they're now going against terrorizing and Batista the guy that got told by uh, uh, WCW that he'd never make it and look at him now so you've got Scott Steiner and Booker T against Triple H and Batista and it was a pretty terrible match there's a lot of slow moves it's the best you're gonna get really from steiner star it's it's triple h basically is the only guy in there and and booker t to be fair but triple h and booker t the only guys in that match that really look like they could uh, actually work a match uh, the rest of it's all bullshit to be fair uh basically the winners of the match were steiner and booker t Booker T gets, an, gets his uh, axe kick on Triple H and pins him at 6 minutes and 55 seconds. I didn't really expect that. I thought, you know, Ground Force would get the win. But as you say, back in the olden days, I, I don't think it's the same anymore. But back in the olden days, when the, the person who was going to lose at the pay-per-view usually won the last match on the Raw or SmackDown. I don't know if anybody remembers that. But hey... Um, the saving the best to last which is in my opinion not the best but it's pretty pretty decent so it's jim ross against eric bischoff jim ross gets in some good a tiny bit of offense and so does bischoff uh, and then finally what happens is eric bischoff gets a cinder block yes ladies and gentlemen he gets a cinder block he puts jr's head on it and he kicks a cinder block against jr's head but miraculously jr manages to get up after it that's what's shocked me um but then bischoff gets him and knocks him down again and gets the win and after the match uh bischoff now starts to mock austin drinking beers throwing up the middle finger and uh, basically just being an absolute douchebag and this really is for me one of the best heels i've seen the best heel run of eric bischoff's career um because i really now i've i've you know i saw this a long time ago and watching it back now i really 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 want to see eric bischoff get his ass kicked oh i cannot believe what i am seeing just six days before no way out and that's the bottom line, because Eric Bishop says so! Oh my god. What is going to happen at No Way Out? Eric Bishop, the Raw General Manager, with a drink. Oh. You don't 
So that is the end of that Raw. We're waiting for No Way Out now, guys. For me, the selling point of Raw's, Raw for No Way Out, and this is really bad to say this, but the selling point for me, and I don't know about you as a fan, but the selling point really is Eric Bischoff against Stone Cold Steve Austin. There's nothing else really I'm looking forward to, uh, if I'm being completely honest, from Raw. We've already seen Triple H, Steiner, and that's just going to be boring. Tag Team title match, that might be worth watching. Uh, but really, it's only I'm only looking forward to surprise and the surprise return of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, if Eric Bischoff wins this, then I would, uh, I, I don't, I'd, I'd eat my own testicles uh, because we just know Eric Bischoff is in for one hell of an ass whooping from Austin. Three sixteen, give me a hell yeah. See you at No Way Out, guys. Final Smackdown before No Way Out is the go home show and it is from Indianapolis in Anna. Show off with The Rock, he comes out and delivers a promo. After a minute and so of a mixed reaction in the crowd, that's it. The Rock's uh, sporting a new huge treble tattoo on his left arm. It looks quite looked quite impressive. Uh, the Rock's booed after saying finally and then he paces on a bit, places the mic to his lips and the fans boo again. Uh, the Rock does this routine once more before opting to finish his catchphrase, but not before turning heel by saying finally The Rock has come back to Indiana. And who cares about this crap? Crap. The Rock, he goes on to say that he's going to confront Hogan when he appears tonight. And goes on to tell him what The Rock has in store for him at No Way Out. Uh, the Rock then goes to finish up his promo, but says that since the fans decide to turn on him, sing along with The Rock is over. We get another tale of the tape we had similar to last week, but this time it's for Angle and Lesnar. WWE, they even listed Angle's hardcore title win as an accomplishment. Up next, we get the rematch from last week of A-Train versus Benoit. Uh, Benoit gets the victory with a roll-up after he got the uh, crossface on A-Train. A-Train kept trying to reverse it. He lifted uh, Benoit up in the air, uh, but Benoit then was uh, being the um, the ring veteran that he is. He managed to roll it up for the 1-2-3. Then we go backstage for Naki, SmackDown's number one announcer. He tries to score an interview from The Rock, but The Rock's personal security force prevents anything from happening. We then get Rikishi versus Johnny the Bull. Uh, in Johnny the Bull's first appearance... Uh, in singles competition on our podcast. Rikishi gets the victory of the super kick, but then the family comes out to avenge a loss by beating the daylights out of Rikishi. We then go backstage with Angle and Shelton Benjamin. They're shown in the back doing amateur wrestling stuff while Charlie has shouts words of encouragement. It's all to prep Angle for his match with Brock Lesnar later tonight. Angle then cuts quite a nice promo on Brock. We then get a tag team match of the WCW Dream Team, Cruiserweight Dream Team of Billy Kidman and Rey Mysterio. If only Billy Kidman and they'd not cut his hair against Shannon Moore and Matt Hardy. Towards the end of the match, uh, Rey Mysterio, he delivers a 619 and on to Matt Hardy and then goes to hit the West Coast pop. But Shannon pulls him down. Uh, Rey then climbs in the ring and lets Kidman toss him outside the ring onto Shannon. This will prove to be the team's undoing since Matt hit Kidman with a twist of fate seconds later and scores the pin because Rey was distracted on the floor with Shannon. We then get an interview with Nathan Jones. He's interviewed by Michael Cole and saves in quite the soft demeanour that he's done his time and just wants to be treated fairly. He then snaps and says that he wants the WWE title just like everybody else. We cut to the stage. A couple of gift boxes were on the stage and Undertaker, he opens box number one and finds a small puppy. 
He pounds the hell out of the second box, but before he can fully destroy it, the Big Show comes out and beats him down. Now, what's to say like a cat could have been in that box? Do you know what I mean? Uh, he slams him into the uh, the remnants of the second box numerous times before finishing him off with a huge choke slam. The Big Show leaves in a limo during the break. We then get an absolute fucking classic of a paddle on the pole match between Nidia and Tory Wilson. Basically, Jamie Noble interferes, and it doesn't help Tory. It helps Nidia get the paddle to win the match. But Funaki then comes in and makes a save for Tory. Um, so hopefully this may lead to a bit more in-ring action for Funaki. Obviously, we've not seen him wrestle for nigh on ages. Uh, since I think Rebellion uh, was when we were over in the UK was the last time we saw him wrestle. We then get an in-ring segment with Hulk Hogan. It comes down to address the great one. Uh, but then the Rock's music hits and uh, the Rock comes out to a series of boos. Uh, they have a bit of a stare down. Uh, the Rock is like he gets choked up by the mix of boos and cheers he's getting and needs a drink of the people's water to regain his composure. He says he wants to clear the air. Says that an apology is in order for Hogan. The Rock is seemingly offended because Hogan called him the Rock of Jabroni. He said that's quite rude. According to the Great One, The Rock says that Hogan's entire comeback is due to The Rock and all The Rock wants is an apology. When he asks for it, Hogan responds with a resounding hell no. You said some really rude things about The Rock. You've been talking bad about The Rock, making fun of The Rock. I said he's been making fun of The Rock. So listen. You should just go on and apologize to The Rock. Okay? I wouldn't hold my breath. You called The Rock. You called The Rock a Rock of Jabroni? All The Rock has done for you. That's what. That, hey, I'll tell you what. Hulk Hogan, you should do something. You should do something that The Rock hasn't said in a long time. You should know the role, and 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 you should just shut the mouth. Oh. Uh, hold on. Now, I'm now you were rude. You were rude to The Rock. Wait a minute. You're rude to The Rock. You're rude to The Rock. And you should apologize to The Rock. Let The Rock remind you. Let The Rock remind you of something. One year ago, you were nothing. You were worthless. I don't know about that. Hogan's never been worthless. You were completely worthless, and it was only until The Rock challenged you to go to WrestleMania that you became popular again. Because of The Rock. Wait, wait. You think, you think this whole resurgence, this whole rebirth of Hulkamania is because of you? No, 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 no. Your entire career resurgence is because of the great one. Hey, 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 The Rock took pity on you. Took pity on you from the bottom of his heart because The Rock is your friend, man, damn. The Rock cares about you. Hey, 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 you know that, that Muppet commercial you do is because of Rock? Rock will tell you this right now, right now. Keep quiet. Are you gonna apologize to The Rock? Yes or no? Give you one more chance. Keep quiet. This is very important. Are you gonna apologize to The Rock? Yes or no? Hell no! The Rock then backpedals. Uh, he says he was only entertaining, but now he loves Hulk Hogan, but then he spits in his face. 
We then get on to our next match of the night, which is Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar. Uh, Brock Lesnar comes down the aisle to a thunderous evasion. Uh, Kurt, he comes down with Team Angle. Angle enters the ring and says that it will give Brock the chance to face him, but only after he beats the tag champions in succession. Uh, so first it's Brock versus Charlie Haas. Brock gets the victory with the F5. And then it's Brock versus Shelton Benjamin, which Brock gets the victory by using the Angle Slam. Uh, Angle tries to get back out of the match with Brock, but uh, Heyman is psyching him up for competition. Uh, Brock versus Angle never really gets going as Heyman, he comes in right after the bell rings and smacks Brock with a chair. Angle then chokes Brock out, Brock comes back and tosses Angle out of the ring, leaving him alone in the ring with Heyman. Um, who Brock obviously vowed to F5, Team Angle come into the ring to save their agent from any harm, but they decimate Brock, but before they do too much damage, Edge and Benoit rush to the ring to help out their partner. Fantastic ending to the show, and it really built up the Smackdown side of the, uh, of the pay-per-view of this Sunday's No Mercy. So guys, that was Raw and Smackdowns from Royal Rumble 2003, leading all the way up to the No Way Out pay-per-view. So let's quickly run down the card for the next pay-per-view of Extravaganza from the WWE. So the No Way Out will be taking place on February the 23rd, 2003, from the Ball Center in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. The card for the pay-per-view is we have Chris Jericho versus Jeff Hardy. We have William Regal and Lance Storm against Kane and Rob Van Dam for Raw's tag titles. We have Matt Hardy, he's dropped the weight, he's found the weight, going against Billy Kidman for the Cruiserweight title. The Undertaker against The Big Show. Brock Lesnar, Chris Moore and Edge against Team Angle in the 3-on-3. Three -three. We have Triple H with probably Evolution in his corner, going up against Scott Steiner yet again for the World Heavyweight title. We have Stone Cold Steve Austin going up against Eric Bischoff, the returning Rattlesnake. And we have Icon versus Icon number two, it is The Rock versus Hulk Hogan. And guys, thank you ever so much for listening. As always, we love each and every one of you that takes your time out of your day to give us a little listen. And as always, let us know what you think, guys. You can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. All you have to search for is RA Era Podcast. On all our episodes, guys, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and the Swerve Talk Network. And don't forget www.rateerapodcast.com where you can find exclusive episodes, videos, merchandise, and a whole lot more. But guys, thank you ever so much. As always, I've been Dave, and from Christian via satellite, until no way out, peace out, people. Ruthless aggression. <laughs>